Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. I am your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. I hope you had a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving week. We we're done. We did one holiday down, and then we got the other, the big one that America ramps up for. Uh, you know, you know, Christmas. Oy. Okay, but before that, come see me perform stand-up comedy live January 12th, 2018 in Pasadena at the Ice House Comedy Club, February 2nd and 3rd, Salt Lake City, Utah at Wise Guys Comedy Club, February 23rd, one show, one night only um, at the Calusa Casino in Calusa, California, March 30 and 31st, Portland, Oregon, Helium Comedy Club. That's 2018 so far. It's not a lot. Uh, not a lot, but, uh, you know, exciting things cooking already for 2018. And, you know, eventually I'll be able to tell you guys all about it. But but that's all for now. Very cool. So tickets are at ChristinaPOnline.com. That's ChristinaPOnline.com. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, I think I'm, what am I, the real Christina P or something ridiculous like that? Because someone else was named... No, I'm the Christina P. <laughs> and then on Twitter, at Christina P. Very good. All right, let's get to the show. I'm feeling a little goth today. I'm going to do Tones on Tail. Thank you. 
Jones on tail. That song's like 20 minutes long. I can't do it. Um, I love that song. I like the lyrics to that, right? Give me something for nothing. Give me too much too soon. And then he talks about uh, why do we only get what we want when we don't want to know more? Oh, right. And isn't that like the big Buddhist thing? Like the minute you stop wanting for something, um, you actually get it. And I found that to be so true over and over again, right? Um, in relationships, especially like when you're looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it's like the minute you, you, <laughs> you take off that wanting cologne, it's like people are just attracted to you. And I think it's in the semantics of it, right? Like why do we only get what we want when we don't want it no more? I think it's because the lack of the want. You're in a state of wanting versus a state of being. Oh, right? That's what that means. It just means you're, you're uh, where you're operating from, where your frequencies are. And if you're operating out of the vibration of like, I want, I want, I want, that's, that's like repellent, man. That's so fucking gross. But when you operate out of like, I am, I am, I already am. I already am, and I deserve, and I am, and you see what happens. Anyways, hi guys, very deep week. Woo! I got, I got a lot of, lots going on. I almost did not record today's episode um, because so much shit is good stuff is going on. I, sh- I should not call it shit, but it's been a very nutty, nutty week with the holiday and uh, and just a lot of great business things happening. I'm going to New York this week to do some press for. Um, Mother Inferior on Netflix. It's streaming now in case you haven't watched my comedy special. Check it out. And I'm going to do the Howard Stern wrap-up show this week. Oh my gosh. I'm a huge, huge fan of Howard Stern since I was 13 years old and I used to work in my dad's forklift shop in the summers and I was so bored I would be answering his phones. I didn't work on forklifts. I just answered his phones and did filing and mailing and faxing. Remember that? Back in the day when there's fax machines, I would I would answer faxes <laughs> and I was so fucking bored, man. I mean, I don't think there's anything more boring to a 13 or 14 year old kid than um, answering calls. It's so funny that he would let me answer now that I think about it, his forklift business, like he would let me answer his business calls and I would get questions like, uh, do you guys have pallet jacks? And I have to be like, um, please hold. And I have to go find my dad somewhere. Um, either he was like fixing a forklift or he was out in the field somewhere fixing forklifts and call him and be like, dad, dad, do we have pallet jacks? Yes. Okay, great. Now hold on. And then get back. Yes, we have pallet jacks, uh, Nissan or Honda or whatever. Fuck. I don't know. You guys have uh, propane forklifts. You got propane or you have electric. I'm like, oh my God. So by the end of the first summer, obviously I knew the difference between a propane forklift and an electric forklift. And I knew what a pallet jack was, Oh, but it took a while. And I was so goddamn bored in between answering phone calls and I had nobody to talk to. So I started listening to the radio and this was back in the day when Howard was on like, I think 97.1 and he had that great morning slot, like the seven to 11 or something crazy like that. And then after his show, I just loved his show. I loved it because it was the first time anybody talked like a human being and I loved his sense of humor clearly. And then I'd be so bummed when his show ended because it meant the rest of my day would be spent listening to like just dog shit radio people doing 
nonsense, right? Like to hey, chunky and chunky and fart fish or whatever stupid, <laughs> you know, flapjack and the hammer. Like wh- what? Why are we? Why are you doing that? So I think even at that age, I kind of realized how um, how amazing Howard Stern was and how stupid odd shit was. So it's a huge privilege for me and honor to do the wrap up show. I'm not even doing the main show. I'm just stoked to do like the wrap up show and talk, talk fan talk with people in New York city. And I'm doing that on, uh, this coming Thursday. So that's pretty rad, but I want to talk to you guys this week about, uh, about going outside of your comfort zone. Um, cause I've had this epiphany this week cause as these wonderful opportunities have been coming to me and I've been, I've been taking them and trying things and, and growing and evolving and changing and, I came to the conclusion that, you know, unless you're, unless it's painful in a, in a way and unless it's uncomfortable and unless you're unsure at times and you're, you're freaked out, if you're not freaked out, you're not doing life right every now and then. Um, and it came, it came to me as, as this thing of like how, how scared we all are of going outside of our comfort zones. Right. But it's like such a necessary a necessary part of becoming the next person you're going to be, the next incarnation of you. Because I hate to break it to you, um, but as humans, we don't want things to change, right? We want to stay the same. We want everything to be comfortable. And that's normal. But hey, man, Parmenides, Parmenides, uh, no man steps in the same river twice, meaning everything is in flux. Everything is in change. Is that Parmenides or Heraclitus? Heraclitus was fire. Parmenides. I don't fucking know. Uh, but the idea being that we're in constant flux, we are in constant change. And I know that our culture, our, our, our ridiculous, um, PC culture that we're in right now, which isn't really, isn't really benefiting anybody. Anyway, uh, we like, we don't like to say that things are hard. We like to call them challenges. I find this challenging, right? That's the corporate speak for, Hey man, this is fucking hard and I'm not sure I can do this and I'm full of anxiety and I'm nervous and I'm not, I don't know if my abilities can handle something, right? Cause that's what that is. When some opportunity presents itself and you can either go, fuck yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw myself in. You can also go, yeah, I'd love to do this, but I am just terrified. I have no idea how to do this. I can't, I can't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to do it perfectly. So that's part of the perfectionism in me, right? That's going to, I'm going to want to stop myself short of, of doing it because I don't want to fail, right? That's, and that's my personal hangup. I don't know what yours is, but I struggle very much with perfectionism, um, but right, and and I think uh, and I think it's really annoying when we well there are challenges we call them challenges and that implies that you know you should always have like this perfect positive attitude going into things and that you'll you'll always prevail because we're we're winners all the Americans are winners and uh, it's it's just stupid uh, because I think that the truth of it is the truth of it is that so many people who have done so much um, did it under not ideal circumstances. Um, did it under extreme mental suffering and anguish. Um, Abraham Lincoln suffered severe depression. And um, despite that, despite that was a pretty great president. Um, I love when people say, well, I have kids. I can't, I can't do this or that. Well, Phyllis Diller had, I think five children. Um, 
and became the, in my, in my opinion, the most successful female comedian to date. The first, definitely. She got to Carnegie Hall in four years. Crazy. Um, you know, you do these things in spite of. It's not like you're ever ready to do something. You're never perfectly ready. Actually, no, that's not true. That's not true. Because when you're not in the state of wanting things, right, you're in the state of being the thing, the receptor of the thing that you desire. And that's because you are kind of ready for it, right? These opportunities come when you're ready. Things prevent, present themselves to you uh, when you're in a state to receive them. And when they don't, when they don't, it it's, seldom works out, right? I've seen it in my business uh, fucking countless times where like some comic wins the lottery and they get pushed to the front of the line. And uh, where are they now, right? You can look back to a lot of people that won um, some, you know, comedy game shows and where are those careers? Now, some people did go on to become massively successful, but then those people already had put in years and years of work is what I'm trying to say. It's, uh, there are no shortcuts to this stuff. But, um, but I think there, there is a necessary level of uncomfortability that goes with getting the things you want in life. And whether it be a relationship, losing weight, or like, or, or, or you know, the career, the money, whatever the fuck it is, it takes it takes tolerating um, uncomfortability sometimes on a a physical level. I mean, sometimes the point of you know cutting back on your your uh, you know your your treats and your goodies so that you can afford to live. Excuse me, comfortably, um, but more emotionally, it's a state of mind. And I was thinking this stuff because my husband headlined the Wiltern Theater here in Los Angeles last night. Um, as I record this, this is Sunday. And the Wiltern Theater historically, I think, is, the for me, the venue in Los Angeles. I mean, growing up here, I've seen countless shows at this theater. And the fact that my husband sold it out last night, I was like, you got to be shitting me. Like, to see somebody who I'm so close to and who I've seen literally. I mean, I've known Tommy from the time he was an open micer. I mean, I probably saw like his third comedy show. Like that's how long I've known him and um, how I've been close to him and watched him and, and watched him progress and succeed. And I mean, last night I couldn't believe it that like, dude, this is what people are capable of. Like this is, this is a level of achievement that it's possible. And and he did it. And, you know, and I watched him and I watched how he's done it and, and the level of stuff you put up with and you persevere and you continue the amount of resilience it takes to accomplish great things. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, great things and also small, small quote, smaller um, things. I mean, I know a lot of people are dealing uh, in my world with fertility issues. And even that takes a level of resilience to be like, Oh God, that's devastating. Okay. Let's try this again. But that is unfortunately the key to getting the stuff you want is resilience and picking yourself up and trying again. And I really wish, I really goddamn wish that there was a class that taught children this. And I, I, you know, they're doing it all wrong in school. I got to tell you all the crap that I learned, um, in Catholic school, uh, the, you know, the meek inherit the earth bullshit. That is the stupidest thing I have heard. Cause the last time I saw it was a bunch of white guys that own the earth, uh, not the meek. 
uh, turning the other cheek is uh, probably the stupidest advice too I've ever heard in my life. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of backward stuff they teach you to keep you in line. And you got to undo all that, all that programming to become, um, I think to become a, a self-actualized person, you know, you gotta, you, you just have to think for yourself. This is all I've learned. You guys, I'm not telling you how to live your life. Uh, you know, I, I'm just telling you what I've seen and what I've witnessed and, and like, dude, I'm telling you, man, <sighs> what they teach you is bullshit. And the real, the, it's not, no one's holding you down, man. It's you holding you down. It's always you versus you. It's always you versus you. Um, I had a situation this week where a, a great opportunity came up and I had to prepare for something. And uh, it's something I'm not very great at. Let's just say that. And I enlisted the help of a really good friend and she helped me prepare and the whole time I was like, oh God, this is terrible. I'm terrible at this. I, I don't know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought to myself, well, what if for a minute, what if for a minute I just surrendered to the thought of not being perfect at this thing? And what if I just stretched a little bit out of my comfort zone um, and didn't care so much about the outcome and just, and just existed in that space? And the minute I kind of gave myself permission to just dwell in the space of the thing I wanted to become, lo and behold, that's when the magic happens, right? The minute you stop resisting the change and resisting what's happening to you, um, I think that's when really good shit starts to happen to you. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Anyway, that's all I was thinking about. Oh, and also uh, the whole do what you love thing. I think a lot of people throw that around in the self-help world. And it's a good thing to say, but I think it's, it's been said so frequently that it's so empty and meaning. Like, just do what you love and everything will work out. Well, hey, that's not always true. Um, I've seen people, quote, doing what they love and they fail at it a lot. And... It's not because doing what you love won't equal a paycheck eventually. It's because it's do what you love and work your fucking tits off and be resilient and um, eat shit a lot and be poor for a while and keep hustling and keep moving and don't let yourself get beaten and broken down. So that's why the, you know, that's what I see lacking in the self-help world of like, just do what you love and you'll make a million dollars. Not entirely, not entirely, but here's where doing what you love, I think fits in. And what I've seen over and over and over in successful people, successful comedians, I will just limit it to that because that's my world. Um, because if you love what you do, it's not that it's like, it acts as this wonderful, magical motivator, right? Because the shit hits the fan a lot and it will hit the fan a lot when you're, um, 
you know, trying to do something creative and you're trying to become the person you want to be, right? It's never an easy road. It's never. The yellow brick road was fraught with, uh, with turmoil and disaster and, you know, friends. And so the yellow brick road is, is, <laughs> uh, it's winding, right? But if you love it, if you love the path, if you love the torture, you have to love the, the hard bits of the thing you're pursuing. Because if you don't love the process of just the thing that you're doing, you won't be motivated to continue, okay? And that's, I think, I've heard that shit so much. Just love, just love what you do. Like, oh, come, stop it. That's, that's not enough. It's love what you do and. But the love has to be the foundation for, I think, um, true success for long term. And by the way, I another thing I've learned is that it is a marathon, folks. I mean, I like I said, I've seen some shortcuts, um, but as far as I know, the real the real dealers out there, you you know, the big the big ones, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, those overnight successes <laughs> they take about two decades, uh, roughly, to be overnight successes. Um, yeah. So there you go. You got to be tough guys. I hate to say it, but, uh, just fucking be tough. You gotta be tough. You gotta fight. You gotta fucking fight. That's another thing that I don't teach you in school is to be resilient and to fight and come back and try again and get in the fucking ring, man. All right, let's do some emails. Where's my, um, oh, here's my, hold on. Played my email cue and like and forever. We need Dan Pena. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Okay. Uh, this email I got, I love it because it's a, just a very practical email. And Lord knows I have made my mistakes along the impractical journey of becoming a stand-up comedian. So I wanted to wanted to address this. I'm not going to use this person's name, but uh, they write, Hey Tina, I've been at my job at blank. It's a retail place for almost two years now and I hate it. I used to be the slacker and never did any work and I hated it then. So I've been making a huge effort, got my life and became a top salesman at my store. I stuck around extra when we were short staffed, sometimes closing the entire store myself, a five person job with no complaints. And I still feel about as appreciated as I did when I did jack shit for eight hours a day. Nobody cares about me. It's obvious. It's fucking retail. Of course they don't. I know this. It's becoming clearer and clearer to me that though I do have some coworkers who are great friends and I love clearly, I'm sorry, that I, and I love dearly, this shit ain't worth it. My current plan is this. I just got benefits, health insurance, full dental vision. I need a shoulder surgery, physical therapy, new glasses, some dental work. Let's have the company pay for this. And when I return after my recovery period from surgery, I put in my two weeks notice. Fuck them. Lately, I've been wondering if I should just jump ship. It's the holidays. It's a crazy stressful time for everyone in retail. I'm starting to feel like I'm losing my shit. Do I quit now and save myself the mental anguish or do I stick it out, get that extra commission and have these scumbags pay for my much needed surgery? It's only a three to four month period. There's always going to be a job for me somewhere. There's always going to be more money, but I don't know if they... If they extra, if the extra few months of misery are going to be worth the free dental work and glasses and surgery, what do you think, Gene? Bite the bullet for a while and or cut and run. Find something I'm not miserable doing and deal with the shoulder issues. Thanks for your time. You're my favorite. Okay, now my love, my <laughs> um, first of all, 
I must commend you. What I really liked about this email is that you started this job as what you say, a slacker, and you never did work and you hated it. You hated it when you were shit, you were shitty at it, but then you turned your stuff around. You got your life. You became a top salesperson. I mean, you, you ended up closing the store by yourself with a five. That's, that's crazy. I mean, I think that shows a real growth in character and a real growth as a human being. And that's exactly what I'm talking about with resilience and stick throughing it and, and the sticking through of things and motive. Like, that's fantastic. And, and I just want to commend you on that because I never did that. <laughs> I always would. And here's where my advice would come into you because I made these mistakes so many times in my 20s is that I would... Um, quit a job and I would not only burn the bridge, I would fucking light up the building. I would burn the building down. And then I would like, you know, take out an ad in LA weekly talking about how I did it. So what I'm saying is (laughs) don't be an idiot. Like I was, um, yeah. I, and I've worked in retail too. So I totally understand the holidays are the worst. I have so much empathy for anybody who works in retail between like October and the new year or who works in any service industry job, you know, whether you're waiting tables or just dealing with the public, God bless you. Because I mean, oh, (laughs) it's so hard. I used to work at um, a retail clothing store that no longer exists called, it was called the May Company. And I just remember Christmas rolling around and people coming in to try on clothes And they would just throw the clothes on the floor in a ball, just a massive mountain of these beautiful, brand new quality clothes, just, you know, thrown down like a fucking turd on the ground. And it was my job and my friend's job at the end of the day, you know, to clean out all these stalls and hang out, hang up all these clothing. And it was worse, way worse along the holidays because people are just... So many people come through there, I think, and they don't, they have no regard for your life or that someone's going to fucking fold that shirt again, asshole. Like I'm so cognizant of it when I go to the gap or wherever and like I pick up a shirt and I like open it and I unfold it to look at it. I'm immediately, immediately I go, Oh God, someone's got to get the folding board out and refold that thing for me. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Like I, I get it, dude. It's just so uh, anyways, I think that's really awesome that you took a situation that you started out as a slacker and you became basically a star employee. And I'm sorry that this company does not value you as such. Um, Here's what I would do, actually, if I were you. You seem to have become a star employee. And is there a time that your review comes up? Is it any time soon? I would ask for a raise before the holidays. (laughs) I don't know if you can do that, but... Um, I don't know. I'd ask for more money, first of all, just to make this period of three to four months. Because I, yes, you should stick it out. Number one, uh, jump and ship right now. It, it'll feel good for like a week. And then the realization that, A, I have no job will sink in. B, my shoulder's messed up. I still need dental work and vision work done. And how am I going to pay for that? So you're talking about the temporary relief of quitting something that is horrendous during the holidays, which I totally understand, Uh, versus sticking it out for three to four months, making it bearable, um, and getting what you need out of a company that has certainly gotten what they needed out of you um, and more. Now, here's what you can do. 
Uh, since you are going to jump ship eventually, do you have to work so much over the holidays? <laughs> you any sick time? <laughs> Look, you know you're going to jump ship. Uh, do you have to jump ship with a stellar record? I don't know. I'm an asshole. So I would like take days off and get close to getting fired, basically. Um, is there a way to weasel out of working so much over the holidays? Uh, I would suggest that. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? I'm such a horrible human. But at any rate, at any rate, um, I know because my thinking is you're just going to leave anyways. Who cares if they don't give a shit? But then again, if you work somewhere else, you want the recommendation that you were a stellar employee, blah, blah, blah. So maybe do your job the way you've always been doing it. Suck it up. Be a good soldier. Get your body taken care of. Um, and then leave and get a great recommendation from this company that you gave two years of your life to. Um, and, and leave healthy and leave with your reputation and your resume intact. So actually don't take my advice about calling in sick a bunch. But why not? Why not take a vacation during the holidays? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and here's what I might suggest to you too, my love, is that you've turned your life around. You've become a winner. You've become the kind of person that other companies might want to hire. Companies, you know, that maybe, maybe not retail. Maybe it's time to think. In terms of, uh, I don't know if this is your full-time gig, but I'm, I'm guessing if you're closing the store, you're like a manager. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I'd start thinking about big picture stuff in my life as well. Because it sounds to me like you're a fucking winner. And this company did not appreciate you. So while you're taking your three or four months, um, think about the next move. Think about maybe in the new year come January, now is not the time, but applying for new places, asking people you know about their jobs, where they work, and seeing if there's something out there that might be more fulfilling for you. Because this retail, retail is fucking hard. I mean, unless you're telling me like, man, I love retail. I want to manage like this clothing store or this whatever, this store. I'd be like, oh, well then yeah, go be a manager, but maybe go work at a company that values their employees a bit more because it doesn't sound like this place does. Um, but good for you, man. Yeah. Get, go get your life. If it's one thing, the corporate America, they don't fucking, they don't take care of people anymore. Those, those days are done where they, the company took care of people. It's very fucking sad. It's very sad. Uh, it really, it's just so disgusting. It really is disgusting, you know, and especially as somebody, we employ a nanny and we take such good care of her. Cause like, how can you not? I mean, these people, Whatever. I, 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 I can't I can't stomach it. I can't stomach when they don't take care of people that help build their empire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay. All right. You're already paying the poor full minimum wage. Like, god damn. Well, at least you got benefits, man. At least you got the benefits. All right. Um yeah, I stopped breathing in the microphone like top dog. This next one uh is from from Vanessa. I like this one too. I don't, I'm not sure why do I like this one. Okay. Dear Christina, it's 3am. I can't sleep. And my mind is just rambling about the sticky situation I'm in. And honestly, I know what I need to do about it and I want to do it. I just feel like if I could, if I could, uh, I feel like if I could, if I sit here and preach and talk about the subject as a whole, I could be more proactive in practicing what I preach. Too bad I'm only 19. 
about to turn 20 on Christmas and no one I know cares about the thing I do or feel so intense about them. I kind of want to start a podcast. When I think about it, I feel dumb and think about how most people I know would make fun of me. But screw that. Those people think they're the reason why I need to talk about this in a microphone because they don't care to hear what positive, healthy things I have to say. They just sit on Twitter, Instagram, scrolling through the same old ignorant high school stuff. I just want to express myself. Journaling so much makes my hands cramp. I'm too lazy to type or make a blog, and I just really, really enjoy podcasts. I have no idea how to start or what to do. Please help. Um, okay. I just really be amazing for me to be able to express myself. I need some help getting into all and starting and some tips for me. Okay. So you're young, you're 19, you're about to turn 20. I remember this age. I remember feeling the same way of like, I have so much shit inside of me and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Do I paint? Do I journal? I did everything. I journaled, I painted, I drew, I I fucking collaged. Uh, I did it all. Smoked cigarettes. I was in, I went to goth clubs. I think this is a very tenderoni age. You're you're at a time where you're, you know, there's so much going on. You're very emotional. This is from Vanessa. You're very emotional. Your friends don't always get you. It's just a tumultuous time. Um, and I get it. You want to express yourself. Um, here's what I'll say to you: is that you're at an age where, uh, yeah, other people are going to make fun of you because. They're kids. They're young. They're not bad people. They're just young people. And um, and they can say shitty things to you. Uh, so yeah, you can fucking start a podcast. Of course, anybody can. It's, it's, you know, Google it. How do I do a podcast? There's a million websites that'll tell you what you need to do, what software you buy. I mean, fuck, you got an Apple computer, you can do a podcast. But if you want to do a podcast, I, I will, I will say this is that think of a general theme, you know, I don't think that just rambling into a microphone about your feelings about, you know, you can do it. It just has to be under the framework of, right. Cause that's kind of what I do, but it's also under the framework of like, well, what is it for? How does it help people? You know, if it's all about me, 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 that's kind of like, okay. I mean, unless you're like the most fascinating human being I've ever heard in my life generally you know come on not not many people can do that uh you want to think of a topic you want to think of a lane what interests you are you interested in um penguins are you interested in sex are you interested in movies are you interested in music what's the framework pick a topic and then have somewhat of a format, somewhat of a format. And also, you know, make it an hour. Is it a half hour? You may want to start uh, just doing a half hour, see how that feels. Um, and it'll take time. I think it takes time to find your voice and, and what's going to work for you as a podcaster. And don't expect too much, I think, in the beginning, because uh, it takes time. It takes time to build an audience and it takes time to build a show. It's a process. Uh, but it sounds like you you got a lot of angst, man. You're up. At, I would call it the up at 3 a.m. podcast. I would call it, because um, judging by how you're writing and what you're talking about, dude, if I were you, I'd call it up at 3 a.m. or 3 a.m. thoughts. And it's like the diary of a 20-year-old, a 19 girl. Oh, there's this band called The Drop 19s. Oh, there's a song called Kick the Tragedy where it's this girl who's rambling about being 19. And I used to listen to it when I was 19. 
Anyway, uh, it reminds me of that song, Kick the Tragedy by the Drop 19s. And it's exactly that. It's 3 a.m. I'm up and I'm rambling. And maybe you should do your podcast at 3 a.m. just to be authentic every week. And um, talk about the drama of being 20. You know, I would definitely leave out particulars. I would leave out uh, real people's identity and names just so that you don't get into a whole lot of trouble. (laughs) By the way, you do not have to take my suggestion as to what your podcast is about. I just think it would be fucking cool. See, that's the show I would listen to. I would be like, oh my God, how cute. Like this girl does her show at 3 a.m. and she's 20 years old. And like, I kind of I want to remember what it's like to, to think away a 20 year old does, you know? Yeah. And be like, what are, what are my problems right now? You know, like, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so didn't ask me to the dance. I'm just kidding. That's not 20. 20 is way more angst right now. Oh my gosh. I was practically suicidal at 20. What if, uh, 20's the worst. I hate when people are like, this is the best year of your life. 20 to the best. Like, no, they're not. They're the worst. They're the worst. I mean, you look amazing, but your life is just usually in shambles. I mean, you're hot, but that's like the universe's way of compensating you for just the horrible life that you lead in your 20s. Because everything's so uncertain and you don't know what the heck you're doing. You're not an adult until 28. Did you know that? 28 now is the official age that the brain, the brain is fully formed and fully, um, you know, becoming an adult brain. So you're still like a kind of an adolescence when you're at this age. So be cognizant of that, my love, if you can at the time that, you know, Hey, there are people that will listen to this and rest assured, um, whoever you don't want to listen to your podcast will listen to your podcast. It is just like porn. I don't know if you've ever heard Tara Patrick talk about being a porn star, but she said this thing once in this interview. She goes, if, you, if you're ready to do porn, just know that everybody in the world is going to be, is going to see it. Your stepdad, your preacher, your best friend from kindergarten, everybody will see what you're doing. So be prepared for that. Um, Okay. I mean, on the other hand, I will, cause you're putting your out and you're putting yourself out there in a big way when you're starting a podcast. It's, it's, it is not for the meek, my love. Um, if you absolutely certain that's, that's your route, well, give it a try. Why the fuck not? You got one life to live. Take a swing at it, bro. Okay. Let me see. Um, this is, this is from, um, Corrado, Corrado. I like that name. I've never heard that name. Corrado from Toronto. Oh, I loved Toronto as my grandmother used to say. I live in Toronto, Canada. I've, 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 he does the best. Okay. My name is Corrado and I'm from Toronto. I was wondering if you ever felt like the outsider in your group of friends. It feels like no one really cares if I'm there or not. It really feels like no one cares at all. My girlfriend says it's all in my head, but the thought that no one really cares about me consumes my mind. I feel like I can't say something because I don't want to seem weak or make things weird. How do you stop overthinking and getting too much inside your head? Okay, Corrado, have I felt like an outsider? Um, yes, I have. I have. And I think it was at a time where my friends were doing things I just wasn't interested in. You know, it was like a phase in my twenties, I think, where, um, they were just focused on partying still. And I was starting to get very serious about comedy and, and like what my life was going to look like. I was starting to get focused on my life. So 
at least for me, I know it was just because I, I think I was growing away from those people. And that could be what's happening here. I don't know. Cause, but it sounds like you're, you're afraid that no one cares about you. Um, and your girlfriend sounds really sensitive, by the way. <laughs> uh, she says, it's all in your head, man. Snap out of it. How do I stop overthinking? Um, you know what I would do, my love, Mr. Corrado, is that I would say something to a friend. Honestly, I'd be like, I feel like I feel disconnected. I feel disconnected. I wouldn't say to somebody, hey, you don't care about me. But I would say like, hey, I just, I don't feel like we're connecting right now. Like, is everything cool? Maybe that's a good way to open up the dialogue. And then you can express some vulnerability to people. Um, I mean, I don't know your personality. I don't know. Maybe you are neurotic. Maybe you are overthinking. I don't know. But chances are, chances are, uh, you have a girlfriend, so you know how to be close to somebody. Chances are you're okay with relationships and things. Um, I don't know. I would express it to somebody, to a sympathetic person in the group of friends. Not Don't pick the, like, the most callous person. Pick the person you feel the closest to and bring this up with them and see what they say. And if their response is shitty, <coughs> like, fuck you, bro, or whatever, then yeah, maybe you're not in a good group of friends. Um, however, I do think it's normal to be um, connected and then not so connected to friends too, right? You guys go through different seasons. Sometimes people go through their own stuff. And sometimes we take that personally. It's not nothing to do with you. It could be just what they're going through. But I think the key is to express yourself to people and figure out what's really happening and like, and listening to them and listening to um, what their response is. Because a lot of times we project onto other people what we think is happening and it's not necessarily the case. So your, your girlfriend might be like, hey man, this is all in your mind. And it very well could be all in your mind because maybe you're feeling disconnected to yourself, right? And instead you go like, they don't care about me. Maybe the truth is, I don't care about me. You know, are you, uh, are you taking care of yourself? Do you feel like there's something going on that you're not addressing? That could be the problem too. Do you need to get your life? Do you need to go see a shrink? Maybe, maybe that's what's happening, you know? Because a lot of times I feel disconnected too when I'm disconnected from myself. That's usually uh, what's going on. When I'm in turmoil, then my relationships kind of go there too. Uh, because, right, the outside is a reflection of the inside. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, I wanted to give an update of... Um, hold on. I wanted to give this update. I'm so excited about her. Hold on, hold on. So, oh, my gosh. This was one of the most... Uh, this is one of the hardest emails I ever had to, I was like really struggling with it. Um, Oh, before I go here, I also got an email a while back that I have not answered and I apologize. And it was about a girl who was being sexually abused by her brother. Um, and she's still in contact with him, blah, and it's not very good. And what should she do? And I spoke to a therapist about it and my recommendation for you, and you did mention, this girl mentioned in an email that she had seen a therapist and it wasn't very good. Well, the reason it may not have been very good or productive is because you didn't see the right therapist, I'm thinking. And um, this person recommended that you see a counselor who specializes in sexual abuse, um, particularly incest. Excuse me. So 
You know, there are therapists who specialize in certain areas of abuse, um, sexual or, or whatever it is. So I highly recommend before writing off therapy altogether, just finding the person who who deals with that specific type of trauma because that's really the the secret sauce, my man. It's it's all about finding the right fit. It's not, you know, it's all the fit. It's all the fit. Ugh, okay. So a million years ago, no, not a million years ago, a few months ago, I got um, an email from this girl who was taking a criminal law, or sorry, a criminal justice class with um, a gentleman, a gentleman, not a gentleman at all, uh, with a guy who raped her. And she needed this class in order to graduate, right? Um, And she didn't know what to do. And I, the advice I gave her was to go to the administration and tell them the irony being that her rapist was in the criminal justice class with her and that she should bring to the administration this information. And is there something we can do to work this out so that she doesn't have to sit in class with her fucking rapist every week? So this is the update for you guys who remember this episode. It says, um, hi, Christina, a couple months ago, I wrote to you about my rapist being in my college classes. I know how ironic it is that a criminal justice student won't utilize the process meant for this exact purpose, but it just seems so tiring to go through all of that. I never spoke to the school about the issue. I couldn't imagine talking to a stranger about it, having my teacher view me in a certain way, my rapist knowing he's still relevant or having my personal schedule change because of him. Well, around the beginning of October, he slowly stopped coming into class. Now, a week before Thanksgiving, he doesn't show at all. He's missed so many days now that I get comfort in knowing that he's getting an F for the semester. I recently found out that he graduated high school two years later than I did, which is sad considering we're the same age. It seemed like a nightmare to have him in class, but there's an odd feeling of closure knowing he's still a loser. I will never know why he did what he did, and it still disgusts me that someone like him did this to me, but there's not this constant worry when I go somewhere about seeing him. And if I do, what do I do? Because it's happened. My husband deployed soon after we married in September, and we have little to no communication. So being able to type these emails to you is therapeutic. Okay. I have a month left of school before we move to Hawaii and start the next chapter in my life. Oh, great. Thank you for everything. Well, that's fantastic. So look, uh, you know, my apologies. I did not even take that into consideration, the how humiliating and um, and shameful and, and scary it probably is uh to come forward. So I, I, I did not take that into consideration. So my apologies to you, M. Uh, but Hey, I'm glad it worked out for you, even though, <laughs> I mean, even it just was like, he just stopped going, which is great. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing too, is that maybe they wouldn't move your schedule around. Maybe they would move him around. That's another possibility. So I, I was, I know in my mind, I was really hoping that they would screw him, not necessarily you out of the class. But uh, that's fantastic, and I'm so glad that you didn't have to look at that creep salad douchebag every week in school, and nobody should have to suffer that kind of trauma over and over and over again. And I do hope, and I don't remember if you said or not, um, I do hope that you get some sort of uh, counseling for... For all of this, even for this, I, I think this is enough to, to get me back into therapy is having to see my rapist in a class. I think even, and I know you're saying you're moving to Hawaii, a month left of school. Great. When you're in Hawaii, maybe look somebody up, maybe try to find a shrink. Um, it might be worth it to talk to somebody uh, about about 
this recent trauma of seeing this fucking asshole in your class and having to deal with it over and over again. And I, and I, you know, and I have a feeling and I'm not sure, but the way that, um, you know, trauma tends to work is that something else might remind you of this person or the situation again in your life. It may come up again and again. And until that trauma is dealt with, you're going to go down this, it's going to be scarier than it, than it needs to be is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, everyone needs to get fucking counseling for trauma. That's, that's the point. I, I did Dr. Drew's podcast a couple weeks ago. And if it's anything I've learned from celebrity rehab, uh, it's that unresolved trauma <laughs> leads to all kinds of problems. Specifically in that show, in celebrity rehab, specifically it led to addiction for these people. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I think so many people have had horrible things happen to them, and the and the difference is a resilience and b the ability to process what's happened to you, right? Because it's very few of us that get through life completely unscathed, um, and it's just a matter of fucking you know getting help, man, getting help, and it's out there. Out there, sliding scale. Google it. Sliding scale plus your zip code, plus the type of therapist you think you would like to see, you would like to try, you would like to court, you like to date, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. That's it. I'm gonna go uh, make a cauliflower pizza now with my husband and my kiddo. It is Sunday, and I like to eat my Sunday treats. And for me, that is a cauliflower crust pizza. How sad is that? Because I don't. I try not to eat the carbs, man. But this cauliflower crust. It's just like the real thing. It's not, it's not at all. It's not at all like the real thing. It's not, it's nothing like real pizza, but I get to eat, eat the cheese and the sauce. And that's, that's really good too. Cause I just like, I mean, isn't pizza just an excuse to put sauce and cheese on something anyways? Jesus Christ. But I mean, hot dogs for me are just an excuse to put a lot of ketchup and mustard and relish on stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Um, until next week, that's been Deep Bro. You may email me. That's Deep Bro, Deep Bro Podcast at gmail. Now what? Dot com. Okay. Have a great week. I don't know. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans This ain't your mom's house It's a different theme Gotta be critically thinking Like you caught up at a cocktail party Our thoughts start to sink in John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro it is the ultimate metaphor for life and you know what that is what that's deep bro that's deep bro